So um, I guess this is the case with uh, most testimonies. You always start with the beginning. So I figure um, how far do you, it's funny, how far do I go back? Do I go back to um, the moment I was born uh, or all do 20, I? All 28 years. All 28 years, that's right. Or do I start with this specific section? But I figured it would be best to go right back to the beginning. And uh, that may be interesting because you're like, jeepers, okay, where's this going to go? Sean's going to start as a baby and Jesus is active or he's already messing up. But <laughs> uh, I figure it would be best to start in the very beginning because there's some interesting little bits of information um, that contribute to my testimony as we get a little farther in it. Um, I was born first, I was, or I was born the second son of two in September 14th, or on September 14th, 1977. And I say I was born second, that would catch your ears, like, what? You're born second, yes. <laughs> I have a twin brother, um, we were both born on September 14th, uh, as is both twins, they're born on the same day. But if my brother was here, uh, and he was sitting beside me, and it wasn't Brayden, uh, you would probably be surprised uh, that we're brothers because we don't look anything alike. Yeah, I, actually, I might switch. That's right. Here we go. That's got me in and The power has been transferred. <laughs> um, but yeah, if my brother was sitting here right now with Braden, uh, or with me, uh, I don't know if you would realize that we were twins because we don't look anything alike. But we were both born on September 14th. I was born second. Um, and looking back on, on the early years of my life, uh, especially my really adolescent years, um, I, I, I think of nothing but good things. Uh, we always had a roof over our head. We always had clothes on our back. We always had food on the table. We never really went, went without. Um, but it, it, and when I think about that, I think, man, if my life was to end between the years of, you know, when I was born up till the age of six, and thankfully it didn't, um, uh, the only thing I would have known or would have remembered because I would have been alive in heaven with the Lord was a loving home. I would have remembered uh, a, a time in my life where I knew only love. But unfortunately, um, looking back at that time in my life, um, or fortunately, I think the, I should say, the only thing I ever really remember being afraid of was that I was terribly afraid of the dark, and I had a real problem with sleepwalking. <laughs> a scary problem with sleepwalking. My mom would catch me all the way out the door. Um, but thankfully, I survived all that. But if, if, if my life again ended at six years old, and those were the only fears that I had, um, I would have had a good life. I had a, I had a life where there was love. But uh, unfortunately for me, after about six and seven years old, um, I had grown to develop a few other fears. Um, it was at that time that uh, I think I was six or seven years old. Um, my brother and I were adopted by a man who we would recognize and, and, and call our father. His, his name is my last name still. My last name is Boss because his last name was Boss. We were adopted around that time. He was actually in our lives from the time we were six months on and older, so he was really the only father that I knew. Um, but there was a process that we had to go through. My mom, my mom was always open and honest with us as, as boys growing up. And uh, when we were six or seven, we were adopted at that time. And um, it was at that point uh, of adoption that um, I, I really remember developing another fear that I had. The first person I remember really being afraid of in my life was my dad growing up. Because um, as much as 
a lot of our life never changed after we were adopted. Um, we still had food, we still had clothes, we still really didn't do without. Um, one of the things that did change was, was how discipline was handled in the home. Um, my dad growing up, from what I understand and what I learned about him, he didn't have a father. His father left when he was very young um, and he had gone through a lot in his life so he wasn't equipped to, to, to discipline and understand how to discipline uh, children when they got out of line. So um, growing up with him, uh, when he lost his temper, there was violence for my brother and I, and sometimes it was extreme. And uh, with my mom, uh, one of the problems that she had to go through was a lot of emotional abuse and emotional violence um, in her life when, when things would get out of control. Uh, but as I've indicated, there was still a lot of good. I always like to make sure I emphasize the good things that were in our life. We had stability. We had, again, we never went without. It was just when it came to this aspect or this issue of our life, um, it was a struggle. So we had to be very cautious, my brother and I, of, of what we were doing. And, um, you know, it was a time uh, in our life uh, when in the 80s and 90s, you really started to see a change in the dynamic of the home front. Um, both parents had to work. So it was in, in that time of my life, uh, happening to be very concerned about getting in trouble and what would happen, um, there was also uh, a, a lot of, uh, of my life spent where things went unchecked because with both parents in the home uh, or working and out of the home, um, there were oftentimes my brother and I were, were alone. We were left alone uh, a lot of the times and especially when we were out on the street um, hanging out, making friends and doing what we were doing. Um, there wasn't a lot of, of checking in. The only time my parents would realize that something was off or something was going on was, if, was when we were in trouble, and that happened a lot. <laughs> so my dad got upset a lot. <laughs> so you can imagine how, how things went um, when, when those types of things were happening. Um, so it was, it was a struggle uh, being raised by the streets uh, for the most part. One of the things uh, that came out of that was... Um, was I, I, I had grown to, to, to make a lot of new friends. Uh, I, I didn't have any issue having friends, but I also made, uh, came across people that would turn out not to be friends, and I had a problem with some bullies uh, who, who were in my life for a very long stretch of time. Bullies tend to often be around for the long term. They're not often there for the short term. <laughs> and uh, so that was an issue, and uh, I honestly can't remember uh, when this came up in my life, but I know I was young. I was really young. Um, I had been first exposed to pornography at a very young age, and that was, that was something that had a, a strong grip on me as I grew older and through my teen years. So um, I really had some serious issues that contributed to the struggles that I would have as I, as I grew, um, you know, preteen into my teen years. Um, that would follow me along. But one of the things that was interesting about my life growing up is that church was present. God was present in my life. Um, we grew up in a church on Douglas Avenue, my brother and I, called St. Mark's Church, which is, is kind of funny because it's actually the church that was just a little further up from where the old Douglas Avenue Christian Church was. It was just that little small building um, that uh, my brother and I went to church, so understanding who Jesus was was a part of my upbringing. Um, we had a really good Sunday school teacher. 
I remember the Sunday school teacher that we had. She loved Jesus. She loved kids, and she shared with us. So the foundation of Jesus in our life and the role that church plays in our life was there. It was just there on Sundays. <laughs> My mom would uh, always joke with us because growing up as a teenager who was doing what he wanted to do, <clears throat> one of the things that we didn't want to do is we didn't want to go to church. Um, so my mom would always say, God doesn't forget about you through the week, so we're not forgetting him on Sunday. Absolutely. I just, I just wanted to acknowledge that too. Like, I think that's the, that's the mentality a lot of people have is, okay, church is a Sunday thing. My God thing is a Sunday thing. Put that in that little sock drawer. But like we've talked about kind of all this year, like he calls us to a whole life, right? It's God has a life for us. It's beyond Sunday morning. So it's, I mean, that's, that's a classic example of that, just that change in thinking that, you know, we, we start out this way and the Lord calls us to more. So, yeah. So true. And, and that's the life that we were living then. Uh, church on Sunday and then uh, Bruce Willis movie, Saturday to, to, or Monday to Saturday. <laughs> so, um, yeah, God being a part of my life uh, and understanding who Jesus was as a young person proved pivotal um, as I started to progress into my, my teenage years, um, it, was, it was something that, or he was a person that was going to come to the forefront a little later on. So I'll fast forward to, to about the age of 13 or 14. Um, and I remember it like, like it was yesterday. Our home was having serious problems and a change needed to happen. So I'm about 13 or 14 years old. I'm in grade 8 or grade 9. And I'm at the Y. Um, I've been a member of the Y for decades I'm at the YMCA, and I'm swimming in the pool with my buddies and uh, just having fun, doing whatever. Uh, the Y's pool used to be really green at the old Y. The water was really green. Yeah, and I used to think, man, and it was the chlorine in a real small pool, and I always used to joke, we're, you know, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to be green coming out of that water. Um, but anyway, my brother comes down, surprisingly to me, and he walks right up, and I'm swimming, and he says, Sean, come here. So I go over and he says, you need to get out of the pool. We, you need to get out of the pool now. We got to leave. And uh, my brother and I didn't get along. A lot. I, I, th I think it's great when I hear stories of brothers getting along, but we didn't. And um, when he told me I needed to get out of the pool and we needed to leave, I took that as an opportunity to, to do what brothers who don't get along do. I used some colorful language to tell him what I thought about his great idea. And then uh, he threatened my life and... Uh, <laughs> told me we needed to get out of the pool, we needed to get out of the Y, mom was in the car. So after he used his, ver or his way of persuasion, um, it ended up ruling, I did get out of the car because uh, in the end I could tell he was pretty serious. I, drive, I, drove, I got myself dried off, got changed, and, and as I was walking out of the Y, um, I proceeded to my aunt's car, uh, my mom was in the car, my brother was in the car, and the car had a bunch of garbage bags and a suitcase I remember. And it was at that moment that I got into the car and found out we were going to a place that I never knew existed. Um, we were going to a, a shelter for women who were looking to get away from um, abusive situations. Uh, and it was at that point that um, my brother and I and my mom found ourselves homeless. We were homeless living in a shelter for about six months. And um, after, after that time, we had transitioned from the shelter into housing, and it was a different kind of housing. I mean, there's low-income housing, and there's, there's subsidized housing, there's mixed-income housing, but this was the kind of housing um, that still isolated 
women who were still trying to, to, to be protected from the situations that they were getting away from. So this was the kind of housing that we lived in. And, and um, we lived there till I was about 17 years old. And uh, it was during this time in my life, you know, very formative years in my life, that um, I, had, I had, unfortunate, had the unfortunate opportunity to see and hear some really scary and crazy stuff. I made some very poor decisions. And in talking about this, I, I really had to think about what I want to say. You know, what is it that I want to share? Because sharing these types of stories and the things that you get exposed to and the things that you witness, um, you, have to, you have to be very cognizant of other people's feelings because you may never know um, who in your midst may have gone through some of those things and who may still be trying to recover from those things even years later. So being completely mindful of, of other people's feelings and not wanting to trigger anybody's anxiety, I really want to be careful in, in, in what I say about those times in my life. So the best way I can summarize it is, is by saying that I, I did, uh, unfortunately, experience and witness some very scary things. Um, and some of those things were a result of my own poor decisions. Uh, pornography and drinking uh, became a problem for my life based on the, the people that I was surrounding myself with. Um, I no longer had a fear of my dad because I only saw him when I chose to see him. Um, and my mom couldn't control me. Uh, she was in the process of rebuilding her life. She was in the process of trying to move forward with her life. And uh, she just didn't have any control of me, and that's the way I liked it. And, and unfortunately, uh, it brought a lot of hardship on in my life, um, and it made things really hard for, for my, my mother. If I was to fast forward to the age of 17 or 18, I would say that if, if the yearbook post was listed, it would say, for me, the least likely to fail. And my brother was the opposite. He thrived in that environment. He just dug himself into school, and uh, he, he really did well. But for me, it was just a time to, you know, the horse got out of the barn. Uh, but during that time living in that housing area, one of, the, one of the cool things that did happen in my life and became another pivotal part in my life in understanding what God can do with a life was that there was this pastor. This, there was this guy who used to come around the project, so to speak, and he was the pastor of a local church, and he used to invite the teens and the kids to the different church programs that they had at the church, and my buddy used to go, and uh, he was my friend and wanted to hang out with him. I used to tag along, and I used to think, well, this is another chance to, to, to meet other girls too, so yeah, I'll go. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I used to go with him, and um, it, it turned out to be a real transformative time in my life, even though I didn't commit to living for Jesus at that time. This guy was powerful. Um, his name was Dave. We used to call him Pastor Dave. And he spoke with an authority. He spoke with a passion and a love for Christ. Like, you could tell, like, there's times you encounter people who are Christians, and you know they're Christians. They're passionate about what they're saying and how they're living their life, and this was this guy. And he just, drew, he just drew me in. I went from just wanting to go to tag along with my friends to going because I wanted to be around him. And um, it's funny, uh, when I think about that, I'm reminded of Scripture. Like, uh, Jesus was a guy who was um, 
compassionate, who spoke with authority. When the religious leaders encountered Jesus, one of the things they said and knew about him is, man, this guy speaks as a person with authority. In Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, it, it illustrates the religious, the, the, religious, the religious leaders actually being really mesmerized by Jesus when he spoke because he had this characteristic. He had this ability that he was recognized for. Matthew 7, verses 28 through 29 actually says that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the preaching and the teaching he was doing, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority and not as one of their teachers of the law. The teachers of the law were like the rabbis or the religious people at that time. And that's what this Dave was like. And for me, um, he was preaching a God he was preaching a relationship. He was pre preaching a man who was alive, who could change a life. I just didn't realize it at that time because I hadn't finished bottoming out yet. I hadn't finished getting to the bottom of where my life was going to go. So I get to 17 and 19 years of age in my life. We no longer live um, in the um, housing unit that we were living in. We actually moved back to the same neighborhood we grew up in. And that was kind of hard for me because it brought back a lot of old memories for me. Um, I could walk the streets uh, that I grew up in and be reminded of uh, the different areas I got beat up in, or I could walk around and see the different areas of trouble that I got in, and, and I could also see the different homes of girls that I hung out with that were not at all healthy relationships. So it was, um, it was still a tough area for me to be in. I was still living a very selfish life, um, I had already, at that point, between 17 and 19, had a couple run-ins with the law. One of them was as a result of a very terrifying experience that I had put myself through, you know, kind of wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And the other one was a, a result of selfishness and stupidity on my part. I had just finished high school then. Um, I, it's nothing to celebrate out. My claim to fame is I did finish high school without failing, but I definitely didn't finish without, with honors. Um, I ended up becoming a university dropout and I wasn't really going anywhere and nobody was expecting a whole lot of me. And um, it was at that point that, you know, I, I was working. Uh, I had a job and I was able to, to buy my first car, but that didn't last long because I wasn't smart enough to keep insurance on it and I had crashed that car and uh, I, had really, I had really bottomed out. It was at that point in my life, I was around 18, that... Um, I was thinking some serious thoughts, um, some troubling and scary thoughts about how long I wanted to be around or how long I was going to be able to make it. Um, and I was really thinking if something didn't change in my life, I, I didn't know how long I was going to be around. So one of the themes in the early part of my testimony, because God had a different plan, and God always has a different plan, and I'm thankful for that. Um, one of the themes and I don't know if I would call it a theme more than a person, that resonates through the early part of my testimony, and thankfully for me, because some people who give their testimony don't have this theme or this person the way I did, Jesus was always a consistent presence in my life. When I was really young, living in an unstable home where there was fear, I was still getting fed uh, the knowledge of truth of a man named Jesus who had the power to change a life, when I was in my teen years, the horses out of the barn, Jesus was still present. God was still providing people to be an example that I would need to have to look back on to know that God could make something out of my life. And thankfully, he did. 
he's always been there through the good and the bad. And um, when I talk about how Jesus came into my life, it was radical and it was powerful. And not surprisingly, it came through the garbage decisions and the garbage mess that I was making out of my life. Because by the time I got to 17 and 18 and 19, it wasn't what other people were doing that was messing up my life. It was me. It was me. You get to that certain point in your life where regardless of what you've been through, you're making your own decisions. And for me, um, I could blame everything on anyone I wanted, but the reality was is I, st I was in control of making my own decisions and I was making poor ones, but God made a decision um, that would radically transform my life. And it came, again, through the mess that I was living in. Uh, I, at that time, between 70, 17 and 19, I was in a relationship with a, with, a, with a girl that lasted about three years. Um, it was probably three and a half years, but we broke up off and on. So I always just take the, it was probably about three years. And it was, um, it was a very toxic relationship. And I, I want to be fair to her because the reality is, is that it wasn't just all her. Um, we both were not good for each other. I was toxic for her and she was toxic for me. And somehow we were together for that long period of time. And, and I, I say thankfully so because she had a father who was a godly man who desired to, to live for Jesus and who loved Jesus. And um, I still can't believe it. I, I look back on that time in my life and I, and I laugh because if my daughter, who I love dearly, brought a guy like me home, he wouldn't have to wonder if he wanted to be around anymore. He just wouldn't have been. <laughs> he wouldn't have been around. I don't make any bones about that. He'd have been gone. But this guy had the same problem that my mom had in that he couldn't control his daughter any more than my mom couldn't control me. And um, that resulted in us being together for a long period of time or a stretch of time. Um, and he chose to minister to me instead of chasing me away. He loved Jesus, and every time the relationship would get ugly and he would see it, he would, he would constantly remind me of what I already knew and that if I didn't change, it was only going to get worse, and there was only one person who was going to be able to bring the transformative change into my life that would bring stability to the relationship I was in, because I'm sure he still wanted me to be with his daughter somehow, or to have me move forward in a way that I would have a productive life. And after I had crashed my car, um, I had really bottomed out, and he was on me. He was on me. I was in trouble with the law. You know, I was looking at some very serious situations. It was like a culmination of things. And he really was at me. Sean, Jesus is the only one who's going to make a difference in this. And it registered. Um, after all the times in my life and the people that God would put in my life to, to tell me that I needed to change and only Jesus could bring it about, this time I, I heard God. And I, I said yes. And I found myself in the office of his church, which was Hillcrest Baptist. Um, I found myself in the office of his church um, with a man named uh, Bill Powell, uh, Pastor Bill Powell. And um, I confessed my need for Jesus. It was in that office. I had no idea that this was going to happen. But this man spoke to me the same way Pastor Dave did. And I called him Pastor Bill. He spoke the same way. And I found myself crying in front of a man I never knew, and weeping in a way that I had never wept because I, I knew I needed to change. I repented of my sin, and I received Jesus' offer of grace in my life. I knew I needed to be forgiven. All those things that were going on in my life melted and faded away right there and through those tears. 
They weren't tears of remorse. They were a combination of tears of joy and hope in, in everything that my life was going to mean going forward because there were still some things going in my, on in my life that at that time that hadn't been finished. So um, it was in that moment that God really brought about transformative change in my life. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, uh, that verse says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And I truly was a new creation. And I had a father figure in my life in Bill who, who ministered to me in, in a way that, um, that changed my life and I've never looked back. Um, absolutely. I think we just should pause there and acknowledge the work that the Lord did in that moment and celebrate that salvation right there. That's wonderful. Like that's Jesus. That's what he does. That's what he does. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that is so true. That is Jesus. That, that is only Jesus. And um, I've lived as a Christian from 19 years on all the way up till now. And uh, when I say that, I'm 43. I may look older. My son will tell you I look older. If I go to the gym, the people tell me I look young. I can't figure it out. Um, but I have my 20s, my 30s, and my 40s living and walking with Christ. And when I say that, I, I, I just can't even fathom it because time goes by so fast. And I'm like, man, how do I want to sum up this period of my life? What do I want to talk about? And uh, I think about the book of Luke. The book of Luke ends with the writer saying that if, if, if we were to sum up everything that Jesus, I think it was Luke. I may be wrong, but it, I'm pretty, it may have been Luke. He says, if we were to write and sum up all the things that Jesus had done, we would never, we'd have volumes. And I feel like in, in, in the 20 plus years of walking with Christ, that's really been the story of my life. I could sit up here with Braden for hours and talk about all the incredible things that God did, the changes he brought about, the people I've met, the things I've done um, that I never thought I would do. Um, so in an effort to um, maximize the time we have here, I, I, I figured I would summarize a lot of what has taken place by, by highlighting some of, the, some of the key things that Jesus has done in my life. The first thing that he did, and it's, it's in line with one of my favorite scripture verses. I don't have any tattoos. It, I, I've been very tempted to get them, but I'm terrified of needles. So <laughs> that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, I, I would have this verse on, on me, um, but I don't need it on me to live it. It's Romans 12, two, Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a pattern that takes place in this world where Satan, he uses confusion, deception, and lies to deceive those who don't know God into continuing to move away from God in a way that has an eternal, an, an eternal impact on their life. And for me, with Jesus, he renewed my mind so that I could see for the first time and I could hear for the first time. He put, he put a motivation in me that changed what I wanted to put into my eyes, what I wanted to put into my ears, and what I wanted to fill my heart with and what I wanted to fill my mind with. I had a complete new desire in my life, um, and it was radical. It was definitely visible to everyone who knew me from before and everyone who would know me after. One of my fondest memories as a new believer was um, the impact that it had on my mom's life. 
because the change was so radical. Um, I wanted to be respectful. I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to make amends. I wanted to love people, and I wanted to be loved by people. If you knew me before I was a Christian, you would know a person who didn't love anything and wasn't loved. I, I mean, a mother's love is unconditional. My mom always told me she loved me. But that was the, she was the only person I ever really heard it from. But when I became a Christian, I was loved by so many people. I, I had a whole new family. One of the saddest parts of my upbringing before Christ was that my mom was terrified of me. I was an angry and violent, abusive person myself. And um, my mom had escaped one violent situation to have to live through another one and me as I grew through my teen years, and that is one of the things that breaks my heart when I think about it. But the change in me was just as radical. Um, I became a loving person, and I wanted to be loved by other people. Um, I carried a Bible everywhere I went. I was viewed, like, I would have been viewed as one of those crazy people. The first Bible I had was this big, thick Bible, and I carried around in my, my back pocket like a wallet. And uh, everywhere I went, I was preaching Jesus. Um, as a result of a, a run-in run with the law and a poor decision, I had lost my old job, but I ended up getting new jobs, and the, and the difference was I had a Bible in my back pocket. And the jobs I was having at that time allowed for it. So I would minister and preach to anyone who would give me a chance to listen because I wasn't afraid of who I was. I wasn't afraid of my past. Jesus had erased that. I had become a new creation, and I wanted to tell everyone who would listen what God had done um, and how he had made me new. And it had impacted my mom in such a powerful way that she used to call the church all the time. I didn't know this. Uh, Pastor Bill actually told me later on. My mom used to call the church all the time. And she used to say, what happened? What happened? What happened to my son? I don't understand. I, yeah, what did you do to him? You know, what is he going through? I grew up in church and I've never seen this. And um, she grew up in a Catholic church and I won't say any more about that. Um, but <laughs> what she saw in me was real. And um, it turns out that uh, she had been calling Pastor Bill to get um, ministered herself because what was going on in my life was what she needed in her life. Um, and, and Bill shared. He wouldn't share what they talked about, but he shared in confidence with me. My mom doesn't know this, but we're getting older now, so it doesn't matter. Um, she had been calling the church, and he had been ministering to her, and I was eternally thankful. And I'm still prayerful that that ministering will lead to, to her salvation. Um, so with this new life and this new perspective, um, I had a great relationship with my mom going forward, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, I went from feeling like a loser. This was another transition that took place. I went from feeling like a loser to being a part of a family, a real loving family. Um, I had all these old labels. I don't know if you guys have ever been called things in your life. You probably have. We always have these labels based on things we do in our lives and things we learn and whatnot. And before I was a Christian, I had all kinds of labels that nobody would want. And uh, after I became a Christian, I had all these new labels that I never thought I would have, never thought I would deserve. I went from um, being a university dropout to going back to school and getting my education in the field of IT. It's a field that I'm still in today. Um, I, uh, I went from from never thinking I would make a good father to being a husband to being a father. I've been blessed to be a coach, a manager. I've traveled. I was always afraid of traveling and leaving the city of St. John. I've been more places than I can shake a stick at on mission for God. I could go on and on. 
I even became a son again. And you may be thinking, well, what are you talking about, Sean? You became a son again? Oh, I get it. Yes. You became a Christian. So yes, God, God is your, your, your father and you're, you're a son under God and you're right. God is my eternal father and I'm thankful. But I also had the chance to become a son again from an earthly perspective. And um, if you guys remember, in the early part of my testimony, I shared that I was adopted. And like Christ, when you become a Christian, you find yourself with the strength to do things you never thought you'd be able to do. And when I got into my late 20s and my early 30s, I I had found the strength um, to search out and find my biological dad. Um, I found him when I was 29 or 30. And um, it was incredible because uh, I found that he had five other kids. There's a whole other story to that. He didn't even know we existed. So like I said, I could be up here all day talking about what God has done. But the reality was he didn't know we existed at the time. I I went from having one brother to having another brother and four sisters. And the other incredible thing that happened was I learned that he loved God too. And the, the second that we met, he called me his son. He has never called me Sean. I actually struggled to call him dad because I didn't want to offend his kids. I didn't want to offend him, uh, especially him not knowing that we existed. Um, He called me son, and he's never stopped calling me son. And uh, I I just can't tell you what that means to me. I have been blessed to have two earthly fathers, and I say blessed. The first father was dysfunctional, but I understand him better because I know who Jesus is, and I know what he's lived through, and I see him through a lens of Christ. So I've been blessed to have two earthly fathers, and I've been absolutely blessed to have a father in heaven who's my eternal father and my true creator. But of all the things God has made out of me um, and sharing a lot of the change that God has brought about in my life, some of the labels that he's given me are labels that I hold dear. Um, They're most important to me. I've been blessed to to be, be called a teacher, to be called a mentor, to be a preacher, to be an evangelist. I've been blessed to see the fruit of all the work that's been done through me and the people I've had the the blessing to work with. I've seen lives changed on this world, on this earth, that are absolutely going to contribute to the growth of God's kingdom in heaven because this is temporal and we're eternal. And when lives get changed for Christ, infrastructure changes in heaven. And um, I've been very blessed to to play a role in that. all of it has also led to, to me being here today. <laughs> if, if it wasn't for Christ, you wouldn't know me, I wouldn't know you, and I probably wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Christ, my son and my wife wouldn't be in the back of the room, <clears throat> and I have to catch myself for a sec. I couldn't stop crying when I became a believer. That w- you couldn't get two words out of my mouth about Jesus without me shedding a tear because uh, I'm, I was so thankful, and I'm still thankful. Um, but I'm just thankful that God composes me enough to be able to, to talk now compared to when I was young. Um, I have a, a wife. I have two beautiful children. Um, and, and all of that is a direct result of what God has done in my life and having a great friend in Braden and a great family, fr- family here at Har- the harbor and an extended family in ministry that spans multiple continents. Um, God has been so good. And... Um, In saying all that, it kind of summarizes the life I've lived as a Christian. But I wouldn't want to to leave it at that. I I would definitely want you to know that as a Christian, I've still had my struggles. You guys would would probably think, man, this sounds great. God has done nothing but great things for you. 
But the reality for me as a Christian is, is I've still had struggles. Um, in the 25 years, gosh, it's almost been a quarter of a century now, um, I've walked as a believer. Um, I've lived more as a Christian than I have without Christ. Um, I've still had my struggles. Uh, I still have to put on, you hear this, you hear this analogy people use, you know, we all put on our pants the same way, one leg at a time. As a Christian, we all put our armor on the same. God talks about the armor that believers have in Ephesians chapter 6 that we put on. And I still have to put my armor on the same way that every other believer does. You know, one piece at a time. And I still have to be reminded of what each piece of that armor does because I still struggle with temptation. I still struggle with sin. I still sin. But the good news is that those mistakes and those poor decisions don't rob me of the identity I have today. I have an identity that is in Christ that will never change. It, it, it started in, in that small office of a church where I was led to the Lord and where Christ saved me, and it's protected me and stayed with me. It's been a constant assurance that I've had in my life. It's not insurance. Christ is not an insurance policy. If you ever, we're going to learn this in this church that insurance is probably going to be frustrating. <laughs> I've, had a car, I've gone through a car accident. Insurance is frustrating. You think you have it for when you need it, but it's frustrating when you got to use it. God is, in Christ, is all about assurance. It's solidified. It's concrete. It never changes. And because of all of that, regardless of what happens in my life, I know who I am and I know whose I am. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39 says, For I am sure that neither life, net death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's this assurance of God's love that has secured my identity until I get home because I still have a whole lot of life to live beyond, I'm, beyond what I can imagine. And it's also an assurance that you guys here have and anyone listening online, if you are not a believer in Christ, or maybe you're wondering if you are a believer in Christ or need to, to make that commitment to Christ again, it is an assurance that you can have. You won't be perfect, but you will be perfected. And it's all going to be by God's grace, and I, and I, and I share all that with you. Um, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything you want at any time, and I'll be honest with you, because if it leads to your transformation in Christ and you hearing the voice of God, maybe for the first time, it's worth it. And I thank you for listening. I love you all, and I'm going to turn it back over to Braden. You guys know what to do. Yeah.